I'm going to go ahead and get started. They'll kind of file in as we go. Um, so how are things going? How are things going as far as uh, dealing with the kids and you know making sure that we're we're pursuing them in love and not fear? Any uh, examples or testimony? Anything anything going on? Yeah. So like the biggest thing in that is you want to make sure he's cleaning up his mess like with the teacher and with you guys and catching that heart connection with you guys is, is he, he understanding how it hurts you and how it affects the teacher when he does it. And so kind of working on that and feeding into that. And we, we talked to him a little bit about that. His teacher did say she's disappointed, you know, uh, about it. And he just got appointed to student council. And then two days later, he does this to her. So, yes. So, so what you might want to come back to him is, you know, okay, Judah, buddy, this isn't, this isn't your character. This isn't you. So how are you going to clean this mess up with your teacher and with us and anybody who was affected by it? So it's good. So how's he feeling about the whole thing? Okay. That's right. We're we're gonna get to some stuff on that tonight, so so this is good. Like why are you freezing? We're not coming at you like Yeah, yeah. Those habits die hard. That fight, flight, freeze, those habits die hard for all of us. Even when I know I'm with somebody safe, I can still kind of one run back to those fight, flight, freeze kind of things. That's why even with somebody you're close to, you get into this disagreement and you can start raising your voice, even though you know they're for you, they love you, and all. but you're getting stirred up because those habits can die, die hard. You gotta keep practicing, keep going back and remember, all right, what's underneath, what's underneath that anger? What's underneath that fear? You know, what am I needing? What's going on in that situation? So, great, anybody else have anything that they wanna share? I'm going to dive in then. Um, I want you to look at this. 
I want you to think that, that you're, you're standing in, outside and, and you hear a big crash in your house and your son or daughter's inside and, and you find this. What's the first feeling that you have? What goes through your mind? What goes through your head? Looking for drips of blood somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what often can happen, you know, as long as you know that your kids okay, if if you see that they they're injured or something, you're you're probably going to tend to that first, but as long as that you know that they're they're okay, the first thing you start thinking about is the mess, the cost, the things that are going on, which is normal. Which is which is very normal. But um, what we want to look at is when your kid, when your child makes a mistake, what is your goal? What is the goal in your relationship when they make a mistake? Because what we're talking about here is not just about parenting. It's about relationships. Good parenting is developing good relationships with your kids. Okay? Um, and if you don't know what your goal is, you won't take responsibility for it. If you make your goal with your child a safe distance, okay, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to scare you, I'm going to freak out, I'm going to let you know how much, you know, how freaked out I am, and and how terrible what you just did was, then you're going to have a real hard time letting them connect with you. If all they see is your freak out, if all they see is, is your rage, your anger, and your own personal pain, and you forget about wanting connection, they're gonna have a real hard time wanting to connect with you. You're the only one who controls that goal. Your children do not control your goal of connection. Whatever they're doing, whatever they're behaving, whatever is going on, whatever anybody else is doing, you decide if you want to pursue connection or not. That is your choice. You get to decide that. Don't put that on somebody else. A lot of times people say, well, I'd decide to connect to them if they just straighten up. Then they're controlling you. You need to control your desire to connect with them. You need to decide how important is it for me to make connection with them. If your goal is distance, you've decided to introduce anxiety into the disconnect. Remember last week what happens when an anxiety comes in? You don't get your best you. You don't get your best them. And when anxiety comes in, it's really hard to communicate. So if you just decide to make distance your goal, God can't even get close to you. Because God's all about relationships. That's one of the biggest things He, he, he is. He desires relationship. And if you make distance your goal, then he's not going to get close to you. That was one, to me, that was one of the biggest mistakes the Israelites made was they said, we're going to let Moses take care of everything for us, and we'll, you just tell us, and, and we won't have relationship with God. We'll let Moses be our relationship with God. We want to make sure that we're pursuing connection. Whatever, whatever we need to do, we need to go after that connection. And to know what, if your goal is, to know what your goal is, pay attention to what your goal is with your child when they make a mistake. When they make a mistake, you're going to find out real quick 
if your goal is distance or connection. Anybody can feel like they've got great connection when the kid's behaving perfectly. Anybody can feel that. Every, you know, the, the kid's doing everything I ask them to do. They're getting straight A's. Everything's going well. I feel like I've got great, great connection. All you know is that they're doing what you want to, them to do. Connection isn't tested until somebody does something you don't want them to do. That's when you find out if you actually have connection. We want to make safe distance is not what we want our goal to be. We don't want to keep a safe distance from anyone. What we want to make is we want it heart connection. And if heart connection is our goal, once we make that our goal, you immediately, immediately begin to reduce anxiety. If, if you are coming into the relationship, whatever they've done, whatever's happening, if you're coming in and saying, all right, my desire is to connect with you. My desire is to make sure your heart is in connection. Now, I know you, a lot of you can be thinking, you know, what happens when they've really done something big? And we'll get to that. We'll get to some examples because how do you maintain connection when what they did, what they just did was a really huge deal? You know, how do you get to that and make sure that you're still holding them accountable for what they did, but making it clear, I want our hearts to connect. I want my heart to connect with yours. <clears throat> when we find ourselves in a disconnect with our child, step, step one is to connect back, especially if one of you is upset. One of you is upset. You could be the one upset, or the child could be the one who's upset. Okay? If you're seeing that go on on either side, before we clean up the mess, before we fix whatever the problem is, we got to work on the connection first. Because if that connection isn't working, you can maybe get them to do what you told them to do through fear, but you're not going to get them to, to own the reason why it hurt you, why you want to connect. Um, this section that we're talking about this came about because um, when Danny Silk was, was teaching this, he would teach it to different um, schools and different uh, platforms, churches and such. And one time there was a, a woman who came in. She was sitting right in the front row and just staring at him, like angry. And he'd give all of these examples of how to you know, give choices and do things so that you're, you're trying to um, not use fear to, to control your kids. And she would laugh at none of his jokes. She just looked angry the whole time. She seemed bitter. And finally, she comes up afterwards, and she, she says, I have a question for you. And she says, okay, go ahead. And she says, what do you do if your teenage daughter is running away from home all the time and sleeping around and drinking and, and getting into drugs and does not listen to you and yells at you and, and calls you names and cusses you. What do you do about that? And so, you know, she's expecting him to give her some tool, some, you know, method. Well, this is what you should try. But the first thing he asks her is, so how's your connection with your daughter? And the lady just broke. And she's like, started sobbing, crying. She's like, not good at all. We don't talk about anything but what she's doing wrong. We don't talk about it. We have no connection. And he says, work on that first. Work on your connection with her first. Forget about all the stuff that she's doing wrong because you don't have a connection there. Work on the connection first so that she cares 
about what she's doing and how it affects you. If you have a connection, when, when one, of us, one of us in that connection makes a mistake, it matters not because I did something wrong as much as because what I did hurt your heart. That's what matters. And so later on, the, the lady um, comes back, and she's just, it's just like night and day miracle. She comes in and says, my daughter's talking to me now. I just opened up. I just spent a little time with her is all I, I did. And she's just like, all of a sudden, she's just this, this joy to be around. And, you know, the, the next time, the woman brings in her all, like she's got like four kids, her and four kids. They all sit like right up there and are listening to the teaching that Danny's doing the whole time, and they completed the whole course together as a family. And so it just kind of emphasizes to me how important connection is. I talk about this with couples all the time who are coming in in crisis, is they'll want to kind of come in and say, well, he does this, and she won't do this, and she's like this, and he's like this, and they want to argue about this issue and I say, before you can even get to the issue, you guys need to work on your connection with each other first. Because if you don't feel connected, every little problem is going to get magnified. Every little thing that goes on, you're going to feel like is this huge issue. But if you're in connection and you know that we're both for each other, then you can deal with the issues. And they're just issues. They're not you're bad. They're this, this issue that we have to deal with, this problem that we have to look at and deal with. Um, so I want to um, I want to go back and show you that this picture again, and I I, I found this um, somebody shared this in the Life Academy, which is a like a little training uh, group that Danny Silk holds. Somebody shared this, and there's probably just something floating around Facebook or something. But this picture was the was the the caption of it. Here's what it said. It was my son who did this. Sometimes, often really, things break irreparably. And it takes your breath away, straight away. It took my breath away when my son stormed into the bathroom, frustrated, angry, fed up for his very own, very significant to him reasons. And when he chose to slam the bathroom door, causing the heavy mirror mounted to the front to slip out of the hardware holding it in place and crash onto the floor, a million broken pieces were left reflecting the afternoon light. I was quiet. I surveyed the damage and took a deep breath, put the dog outside so he wouldn't cut his feet, put the cat in the basement for the same reason. I walked into the backyard and felt those hot tears streaming down my face. It's amazing how alone you can feel as a single parent in moments like these. I realized how scared and disappointed I felt. Did this really just happen? Yes, this was real. As I stood and considered whether or not this was an indication of his developing character, I heard his tears through the window above me, coming down from inside the bathroom. His soul hurt. This was not what he expected either. Hello, Anger. I don't remember inviting you into my house. Scary, terrified, ashamed, worried, scared. Deep breath, Mama Warrior. Deep breath. That small, fragile soul needs you right now. He needs your very best, your biggest compassion, your most gentle and firm Mama love and reassurance. 
More deep breaths. Go, mama. Go, go now. Go open the front door, tiptoe through the broken glass. Hear him hearing you coming. Watch the bathroom door crack open. See the face you love most in the world, red with worry and wet with tears. His voice suddenly so small. Mama, I'll never do it again. I'm so sorry. More tears, more weeping. Such uncertainty on his sweet face. Go, Mama, get him. Go now. Scoop him into your lap. Yep, you're crying too. This was big. Hold him tight. Watch how he curls into a ball in your arms so quickly. See how eager he, he is to be loved by you, to be reassured by you. See how small he is. See how fragile that spirit is. I love you. You are safe. I am right here. The worst part is over now. I've got you. I'm here. I love you. Go, Mama, tell him about anger. Tell him now. Anger is a really powerful thing. You have a right to your anger. Anger burns, burns hot. It can purify. It can also destroy. He nods. He feels it. He's met anger now. There's a better way to show your big feelings. We'll work on it together tomorrow. I'm here to help you. You are safe. You are never alone in your anger. You are never alone in your fears. I'm here. We're here together. Now we will clean together. And we, will, we, and we cleaned up the broken pieces. We swept and we vacuumed. It was quiet work. It was careful work. It was thoughtful work. Sometimes things break. Sometimes we break them. It's not the breaking that matters, the how or why. What matters is how we choose to respond to the brokenness. Does it kill us? Does it throw us into a downward spiral of blame and punishment? Or does it help us remember how to love deepest? Does it push us toward compassion and over the hurdle of rightness and wrongness to loveness? Yes, loveness. Go, Mama, go now. Get that baby of yours. Teach that. Show that. Live that. It's called lovingness. Go now. Her goal was connection, not safe distance. She connected with the fact that her son needed something right then. In the midst of his acting out, in the midst of the big mess, he needed to connect. Now, she didn't say there are no consequences of this. I mean, he had to clean it up with her. But I think he wanted to. After he knew how much she cared and how much he loved her, he saw he made that mess, and there was something he needed to do. And so I want to think about what we're going after when our children make mistakes. Here's an important scripture to go with that. This is uh, Matthew 22, 36 through 39. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost command. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Over and over again, as a parent, we get to demonstrate the greatest love of all. That's the privilege that we have as parents. Here's another one. Greater love has no one than this than, for, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And I was thinking about that scripture, and why is it greater? Why does it, why does it say friends there? I was wondering why, why uh, Jesus would say, 
the greatest is to lay down for your friends. And I think it has something to do with this. To, to lay down your life for your friends, you first have to choose to let them be your friends. You have to make the choice. So it's greater love because you, you've already chosen to make them your friends. And now you're going to lay down your life for them. That's what we're called to do for our children, too. You know, the funny thing about babies, have you guys learned this, discovered this, is, is uh, babies don't give love? Have you realized that? Like, like they don't have a lot of love to give to you. They, they just kind of take it. They keep taking love and taking love and taking love. And yet there's something about them. Everybody loves a baby. Like, everybody loves a baby. There's something wrong with you if you hate babies, right? Everybody loves a baby because we know... <laughs> we know that there's just something about that innocence. There's something about that that we just, we just can connect to. So it's your choice to not be controlled by their behavior. How do you pursue them when they hurt you? How do you go after your children when they've hurt you? Too many families keep important things secret. One of them is, I love you very much. It doesn't get said enough in families. And the other thing is, I value our relationship. It is important to me to have relationship and connection to you. You know, I'll give a, a personal example of something that happened a, a couple of years ago. And by the way, I get permission from my kids to share their stories, and they tell me how much I can share, and if, I, if I'm allowed to say their name or if I should just say, uh, one of my children, or if I should not share it at all, because I want, it's more important to me to have, honor my kids and have connection to them to have a good example to teach in a parenting class, okay? But I got permission for this one for my son, Caleb. A couple of years ago, um, I was picking, I picked the kids up in the school line, and he comes to the car, and this is not like him, he comes to the car in tears, like just upset in tears. And I'm thinking, what's going on? What's wrong? And uh, he says, I punched somebody today. And I'm thinking, my son? Like, do you know my son? I can't believe he punched somebody. I was like, who did you punch? He says, I punched a girl. I'm like, you punched a girl? Now, immediately there's this conflict going on inside of me. I'm like, number one, he got in a fight, which I could handle if it was with a boy who was bullying him. But two, this is a girl that he hit. I said, oh, wow, what happened? And so, like, I had to consciously keep my calm. I had to consciously not say, you don't hit girls, you can't do that. I had to consciously make an effort to make sure that I am there and available for him. And so I just, I let him have his emotion. I let him cry, let him go through it. And he knows we're going to talk about it. He knows that we're going to deal with this later. And so I went to him, you know, when he was ready. I said, listen, when you're ready, I want to talk about this. I know you probably need a little bit of time to kind of get yourself together, but you let me know when you're ready because we do need to talk about it. And so we talked about it and, uh, you know, I just asked questions. I said, you know, how did this happen? You know, she'd been, and he's like, well, she was teasing me. She's been teasing me for a while now. She's a lot bigger than me. 
and she would steal my things and hold them higher than from me and, and keep them away from me. And um, I just didn't know what to do. And I got tired of it. And I finally was done with it. I said, okay. I said, well, I want you to know I love you. And, you know, this doesn't change that at all. But um, probably need to do some stuff to clean this up, don't we? I said, okay, well, what do you think? I said, well, who was affected by it? I said, well, and he, he said, well, she was. I said, yeah, yeah, she was. Would you, th and then I start asking more questions. Do you think her parents might be affected by it? I said, yeah, probably. What about the school? Yeah. Anybody else you can think of? I don't know. I said, well, I said, well do you think, you know, what you did might be bad reflection on the Boy Scouts? What do you think about that? You mean I got to apologize to the Boy Scouts? I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> and so finally, um, you know, we just kind of were talking back and forth. How do we clean this up? He apologizes to Angie. He apologizes to me. And, um, you know, my, my, my parents, his grandparents asked questions about it. Um, I don't I, I don't know how they found out because we weren't advertising it on Facebook or anything but it came up in conversation at some point and um, you know in the end um, we, he tried to reach out to her parents and they didn't want anything to do with it I think they kind of felt like it was they were upset with her and they didn't really they were kind of embarrassed that the whole thing happened but he made the effort to to clean things up with them and uh, he um, I remember the night he went up in front of the Boy Scouts and he said, this is what I did. And I want to apologize to the Boy Scouts for doing that. And he owned it. And he said it in front of them. And I told him afterwards I was really proud of him for cleaning it up. Because it isn't so much about whether we make messes, it's whether we clean up our messes, isn't it? I mean, that's what life is about. Is It's not how many messes we, we make, because we're going to make messes. Even if you're not trying to, you're eventually going to make one if you live this life long enough. But it's more about what you do to clean it up. It's more about what efforts you make to make things right. <clears throat> so, um, Lydia, could I have you come up here for a second? You, you have no issue um, standing in front of a, a crowd, right? Right. All right. So, we're going to pretend that you are one of my children okay. and this is our connection okay what I want you to do is I want you to hold on to this and not let go all right and so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question and then I'm gonna make a statement all right all right just stay where you are don't do anything stay where you are all right so let's pretend we're talking about where we want to go out to eat okay. where would you like to go out to eat um, Wendy's. I want to go to Chipotle okay, okay. Every once in a while, when you're doing something with your child, thank you, I got another one here. <laughs> All right. So now I want you to wrap, your, wrap this around your hand. And same thing. Hold on and don't let go. All right. Where would you like to go out to eat? All right. Well, I want to do Burger King today. See? All right. Very good. Give her a hand. <laughs> Okay, the point is, 
if you, there come times in life that you have to bring, drag your kids along with you. And that will only work if you have a good connection, okay? If you have a tissue for connection, every time you pull, the tissue's just gonna tear, and you're gonna find out there was no connection there, and you're not gonna be able to drag them along with you. Remember, the only control that you have is the control that they give you, okay? And so there, there are kids that, um, if you don't have the connection, the parents can be doing all the other right things. They can do all of the stuff that we talked about in the last two weeks. But if you don't have the connection, it's not going to matter because they're just going to prove to you over and over again, you can't control me. One of, um, <clears throat> when you need to pull on your child, your heart connection is what allows you to lead them when they don't want to go a certain direction. Connection's more important than compliance. If there's not connection, fix that first before you address compliance. You've got to make that your priority. So, um, how many of you have read uh, Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages, or at least familiar with it? Okay. If you haven't, I, re I would highly recommend it. If you have, um, it's worth a review because the, he just tapped into something so amazing that really just shows us how to connect with each other. And so I want to look at that tonight through the lens of um, our children and how we can connect with our children. So what this is about, what the love languages are about, are each one of us have five love languages, but for most of us, one or two of them are more prominent. So you need one of these or two of these more than the others. And so what often happens is if you have two people in a room and they have different love languages, one of them will speak one, and they really mean I love you when they do this, but the other one needs a different kind of love language. And so they're like, I don't feel very loved at all. You don't love me. Here's a classic example. Um, husband spends all day working, working, working really hard because they love their wife, okay? And they put time in, they do overtime, and they're just doing this because they love them. And they genuinely love them. It's, it, it really is love. This is how he shows love. Okay, but the wife is sitting at home. She's, she's like, I don't want you out working all the time. I need you to be, let me be here with me. I need some time with you. I need you to spend some time with me. And so he comes home working hard for her all day long. And she comes in and she's like, you don't love me. He's like, what do you mean I don't love you? I just spent all day working for you, for you. It was just for you. And she's like, you don't love me. You're always gone. Now, he really feels like he's showing her that he loves her. He really is. He is, he is working hard. He's pouring it out for her. And she really doesn't feel loved. Like, she's not making it up to manipulate him. That is really what she is feeling. What is going on is they're speaking two different languages, okay? And so what we want to do is we want to adjust. We want to, it will help us if we can recognize what languages, particularly what we're talking about tonight, that our kids speak, so that when we know they're needing some love, or even before we catch that they need love, that we're doing that to connect with them, that we want to learn this, so that I can recognize, oh, this is not maybe the most natural thing that I do, but I'm going to do this because I know that this is what they need. So the first one that we want to talk about um, This was um, 
This, this is uh, gifts. And I pulled this out of our last uh, Christmas when we got Kara a guinea pig. And it was so much fun. Just watch how, how much she enjoyed this. Gifts love language. That was a fun day. That was fun. We got to show, you know, and, and each one of them had something that they kind of connected with them that morning. But we got to show them through gifts our love for them. And with somebody who is a gifts love language, you want to keep a few things in mind. A gifts love language is not so much about how much it costs, it's about two important things. It's you were thinking about me when I wasn't there. Okay, so you were off at the store and you just saw this thing and you just said, that is so Josh, I have to get that for him. Right? You were thinking about me when I wasn't even there. That I feel love. Or also, you know me so well that you remembered me when you got that. And so like you go and, and you get somebody and, and you give them yellow roses. And like, oh, yellow roses? Like, not just roses. You know I like yellow roses. Like, you know me so well. You know what I'm about. You know what I enjoy. That's what a gift love language is about. It's not about being materialistic. It's not about stuff. It's about how well do you know me? How well, how deeply do you know who I am? And so, connection with the gift love language is, you know me and were thinking about me when I wasn't even around. Okay? Gifts... Um, Gifts show you you were thinking about this person while you were away from each other. You know them and how to affirm that about them. And you remember a special occasion, which is any occasion, to express love. Gifts people, every little anniversary is a big deal to celebrate. Anything they can think about, any time is something to, to celebrate. They want to celebrate the cat's birthday. Your kid, you know, if your kid, it's, it's a birthday for the cat. We've got to, we got to do something to celebrate this. And you know, um, young uh, couples who are dating, it's you know, it's the one month anniversary. You, you know, and, and every month and a half anniversary, and you know, it's like, it's it's like every opportunity is opportunity to actually say I love you, 
to exchange gifts. Um, the problems that can come in if, uh, if you're not a gifts love language, disconnection will happen if you, you don't care because you don't even know me or, you, or give me a passing thought. If you forget to give them a gift, it's like it's their birthday and you like totally forgot and you're like, oh my gosh, it was Christmas morning and I just had to stop at the Speedway because that's the only thing that was open, sorry. <laughs> or poor gift selection, all right? You get them something, but it has nothing to do with anything that they're into. It basically sends them the message, you don't even know me. You don't know who I am. Now, I'm not so much a gifts love language. If you gave me something that I'm not into, I'd be like, hey, you were thinking of me. That's great. I'm, you know, doesn't hurt me as much as a person who is the gifts love language kind of person. Or if you miss a special occasion, if you missed something that, that was important to them and you just, maybe you're not a gifts person, but you totally forgot, um, it, it can really cut into them. It can really hurt. Um, I remember, you know, Caleb used to really be into to gifts because he would just get so excited with every little thing that you'd give him. And it was so much fun. You just wanted to keep giving him more and more gifts all the time because of the reaction you'd get. You could tell he was feeling loved. It wasn't like you'd be partly thinking like, am I spoiling him? Is it just too much? But it was just kind of like, no, he just really feeds off of this. He just really enjoys it. Now, keep in mind, gift giving doesn't have to be a lot of money. Okay, you, you know, with your child, it could be just, I'm making your favorite meal tonight because I know you like it so much, and that's the I love you I'm going to give to you. Okay, we got to eat anyways, so let's plan it around something that says I love you to you. Okay, or, you know, um, I, you know I needed to uh, buy you a backpack, and you weren't there, so I got your favorite color because I know I'm getting it anyways, but I'm thinking of you exactly what you would be like and what and that's gonna send the I love you message to them. Or even just little trinkets. If you're away, you know, and just a little something that you can kind of connect with them, the little gift that you can give to them, it's gonna go really far in letting them know that you love them. If you go too long without gifts, they're gonna wonder, do you even care, okay? If you're not a gifts person, you're gonna to need to learn how to be one how to give gifts. You can't just go in and say, well, <laughs> I'm, just not, I'm just not a gifts person. I just don't do that. If you want to connect with people you love, you learn how to do it. You find a way to make that work. Then um, there's the touch love language. Some of you might relate to this. Yes. People who are touch love language are counting down the seconds from the last time that they received some kind of physical touch. They need, if, if your child is a touch love language, they're the one that they're always grabbing onto your leg. And you're walking around through the store and, they're just, they, and you pull them away and they're right back onto you again. They want to, if, if they're laying down you know, next to you, they want to lay on top of you. They want you to scratch their back or rub their feet. And uh, my Grace used to be more like this with her feet. She loved, she wanted her feet tickled. 
like not rubbed, tickled. Yes. And it didn't tickle her, though. She's just like, uh, and she's in heaven. She's like, Daddy, rub my feet or tickle my feet. And then she would like give out commands, tickle the arch, tickle the heel, tickle the ball, you know, <laughs> just going through it. But she just, she could do that all day and just let you, let you do that physical touch thing. People who are physical touch are counting down the time from when they had their last touch. And if you walk by them without doing a, a touch, they're like, oh, I feel so neglected. You just rejected me. If you sit down in a room and you're not a physical touch person and you sit in the chair and they're on the couch, they're deeply offended. We missed this opportunity that we could have been cuddling and you chose to sit over there. Don't you care about me? <laughs> and you, if you're not, you're thinking, no, I was really just sitting in the chair. I, I, I really didn't mean to offend you. But that's what, they're, that's, that's what they're feeling. So I feel connected when we're touching. Physical contact, physical con proximity, and contact frequency. How often their, their tank is emptying, emptying, emptying. Finally, they get you just brush your hand across the back. Oh. You love me, okay, everything's okay. Anxiety's gone, it's all right now. But then it quickly depletes again and they're, and they're kind of going around and they're like, every time it, their, their tank empties quickly, so you gotta keep going after that. Now, with some kids, you will have to say, all right, listen buddy, I love you very much, kiss you, you know, care about you, I need some time a little bit apart right now so I can get this thing done. But then, you know, later on, I'll, t I'll cuddle a little bit more, but you, know, you can set some boundaries around that, um, but make sure that you're, you're feeding into that love tank. The kiss of death, the physical touch, I feel rejected and neglected when you don't touch me. You miss opportunities for touching. Also, um, you have to be real careful. This program, um, I can maybe talk a little more about this next time, but... Um, Angie and I have not used spanking in raising our children. This program does not reject spanking. Um, there's a way that you can do it and still kind of keep that connection. So if that's something that you do, you can, you can do that. But you gotta be real careful with a physical touch kit if you're gonna use spanking. Because that is gonna send them a message, that physical touch uh, can send them a message of, of deep hurt. So you gotta be careful how you use it. Just a, a quick, the way that they would do the example is, I would give them a choice, uh, um, can you control yourself or do you need me to help you control you, okay? And then when they, you know, if, if they're still acting out and having the tantrum, okay, looks like you need my help, whap, are you okay now? Can you control yourself or do you need some, some help controlling yourself? I would never spank because I'm angry. I would never spank to get revenge on them. It, it would be more a, a fact I'm expecting you control yourself. Do you need my help to do that, or can you take care of that yourself? Okay. Now, Angie and I have found um, for our kids, we didn't need spanking. And if spanking is the only tool you have in your belt, you probably need to expand your belt. Okay. We didn't need it except one time I remember I, I, I didn't know what else to do because um, one of my children was in the car seat, and we were driving down the highway, and they kept wanting to climb out of their car seat and walk around in the car. And I wasn't going to give them a choice, do you want to be in your car seat or out of your car seat? <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm going to have to just, I, you need to stay in your car seat or you're going to have to have your butt swatted. 
you know, which is it going to be? And so, you know, that was a time, but that was like the last tool in my drawer. That was the last thing I, I would want to pull out, and that would be the last resort. That I, I wouldn't want that to be the first thing that you go to all the time. Um, The funny thing that I'm finding nowadays about touch, um, we did the love language inventory, and everybody else in my family is like a one or zero on it, and I'm the only one that has any physical touch. So everybody's like keeping their distance and, and totally fine, and I'm like, it'd be okay if we, and, and I'm not even that high in it, but compared to everybody else, I'm, I, I'm just like starving here. So, you know, I have to kind of create opportunities to let them know that, that that's something that I need. The other day, Grace kind of just gave me a hug. I'm like, oh, that was so nice that she came up, 14-year-old daughter, came up and hugged her dad. That, that was just great. Um, the next one is um, acts of service. Now, you want to make sure with acts of service that they are the acts of service that the other person wants. Make sure if, uh, if you're doing acts of service, that's something that they actually want you to do for them. Acts of service is basically, I feel loved when you take care of things that are important to me. By doing things for them, um, anticipating needs for them, or accomplishing specific tasks. My son Caleb is very much acts of service right now in his love language because he gets so worried about stuff he has to do. Now, he has all kinds of time. But he gets worried about stuff he has to do. So when you do certain things for him, it's just, it just kind of lowers the anxiety. person who's access service typically will come into a room, they'll look around, and they'll see everything that needs to be done. That needs picked up. The dog needs to fed. You need to do this. Whose backpack is that laying on the floor? You know, they are going down the list and looking at everything that needs to be done. And I became more the access service love language when I started staying at home with the kids because I started noticing all the things that needed to get done. And um, basically what it is, is they're not nagging. They're, they're, they're actually crying out and saying, I'm feeling anxiety because I don't feel responsibility shared. I, what helps me to feel loved is when you recognize things that are important to me and you help me out with them. That's what they're trying to communicate. It can come across as nagging sometimes, but that's not what it is. It's basically a plea to say, saying, this is what I need from you to help me feel loved. That's what they're saying. I feel connected when you take care of things that are important to me. Now, disconnection can, have, can happen if you don't care about me, things that are, are me or the things that are important to me. Or you neglect help me messages. Or you have an angry response to doing tasks. I ask you to do something, and you, act, you just get an attitude about doing it. Or you do tasks unrelated to requests or need. Kids who are 
acts of service love language, you may find yourself doing more for them because they need that. Not because you're trying to spoil them. You will know that they're acts of service by the reaction they give when you do something for them. When they're thankful, when they feel love, when they reciprocate love, you'll recognize that's just something that they need. So you'll find like a lot of times, you know, you're doing stuff for them just because that's what they needed for you to show them that they love them. And the other kids, if they're not, lo- they're not acts of service, they'd be like, well, how come you're always doing that for Johnny? Well, he responds to it every time we do it. He, he just, I just can tell he's so grateful every time and he just feels loved. And so keep in mind that <clears throat> fair is not everybody getting the same thing. Fair is everybody getting what they need to thrive. Okay? Now that, I can't convince my kids of that. You need to just convince yourself of that. Okay? Sometimes you're going to give one kid something that you don't give to the other one, not because you love them more, but because they need that more to thrive than the other kid did. And that's okay. That's how Jesus did it. He didn't give everybody exactly the same thing. The classic example I've heard is fair would be giving, if I was giving out free shoes, giving you all, I'm sorry, um, the same, if I was giving out free shoes, you'd all get the exact same size, exact same style. Well, that wouldn't be fair, though, if I did the same thing for everybody because you have different needs. And so different people need different things, so I have to make sure... Some people need smaller shoes, some people need bigger shoes, some people have wide shoes. But fair is actually everybody getting what they, what they need to thrive. Um, words of affirmation. Some of us just need validation. And a words of affirmation person, they feel loved when I believe that you like me. Just tell me, convince me that you like me. Tell me how much you, how great you think I am. I need those words of affirmation. Words are life. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Words contain value for who I am. Words say I believe in you. There are kids who won't try things unless you tell them I know you can do it. And when they hear it, they will go for it. They will go after it because all they need is that affirmation. That's all they needed. Disconnection will happen. Um, I feel rejected when your words are harsh. You've got to be careful what you say, especially to these words of affirmation kids. 
You've got to be, be very careful about even how you criticize, even if it's constructive criticism, you've got to be careful with it. Criticism slays them. They're very sensitive to disapproval or correction. Um, for extended spans of time, if you don't tell them how great they are, they're going to think that you forgot or that, that must not be that true. So if you have to confront a kid who, who has um, a words of affirmation love language, you've got to give them the hero sandwich. Okay? You give them a slice of your awesome with a little bit of you suck and another slice of your awesome on it. Okay? You've got to give them twice as much affirmation as you do any criticism. They need to know, you know, Listen, you know, I, you know, Charlie, I really so appreciate that you took care of feeding the dog. Now, bologna may not be the best food to give to him, but I'm so glad you were thinking of him. So, you know, I'm giving a little criticism, but they need to know how grateful, how much I appreciate uh, them in that. Angie lights up with words of affirmation. Like, that is fuel to her. If you just, all you got to do is just tell her how great she is and... She's good. She's good for the day. I mean, it's she. She loves affirmation. Then we've got quality time. Quality time. Quality time, I feel loved when you show interest in me. Sharing in an activity or conversation that's important to them, listening with symptoms of being engaged in the conversation, willing participation in their interests and hobbies. If you have a kid or somebody else who's important to you who is quality time, you're going to do stuff that you don't care about doing because you love them. A kid who is a quality time kid is going to spend an hour telling you about the new action figure that they just got and what he can do and what he's about and what his backstory is and what he's like and you could care less but because you love him you're going to listen and you're going to be engaged with him that's how it works words of affirmation they'll drag you to things that you don't enjoy because they need you to spend that time with them okay quality time people when they've been gone and they come back together, they want to click down the list of every little thing they've done through the whole day and tell you about every little detail of every little thing. And if you're not a quality time person, you might have forgotten all of those things. Like, I prefer to forget what my day was like. Thank you very much. I want to think about now. Mm -hmm. But if you are with a quality time person, that's important to them. They want to come back and check in all those little details because that's sending the message that you care about them. Um, if you, have, if you have a kid who is a quality time kid and, and you don't share the same interests, you're going to have to buckle down and just spend time in their interests. Because what happens is when they're little, if you give them the message their interests aren't important to, the, to, the, to you, when they turn into a teenager and you're trying to connect with them, they're going to think, well, mom and dad don't care about anything. Why am I going to share anything with them? 
they don't want to have any quality time, I'll find somebody else to have quality time with. So it's really important that you, that you make that a priority. Disconnections, I feel rejected when you don't value my interest or if you're distracted. If, they're, if you're sitting with them but you're watching TV at the same time or you're on your phone at the same time, that sends the message that they're not that important to you. You know, you want to give them your focus. And when our kids were younger, they often liked to have parents play, play with their toys with them. And I remember days it was pretty boring, but they loved it. And we were working on connection. Now, I still would take breaks. I like to play a game called hide and go sleep. You hide and I'll go sleep. But, <laughs> but, but they loved it, and we would buckle down. We, you know, I remember Angie telling me days, I'm so tired of the Justice League. I cannot, if I hear Superman stories anymore, I'm going to poke my eyes out. <laughs> but that, that was what they needed to connect, and so we would do those things to work on that, and then we would try to find other things that we could connect on together that we were about. Um, So one of, um, one of the things that, that happened as you're trying to give your kids freedom and walk through this and recognizing quality time, Angie and I were at um, March Madness in Dayton when they do the, the first four for the basketball tournament every March. And we're sitting there, and we had great seats. Aaron and Nicole were with us. And I got this text from Grace, and she sent me this text, and it said, Dad, some of my friends have gotten distant from their dads as they, as they became, when my friends became teenagers, and I don't want that to happen to us. I want to go on a date. And I'm like, the first thing is like, yes, when? You know, like, how soon, when can we do this? Because I did not want to delay it. And it was the sweetest thing, because she was like reaching out saying, I want some quality time. I want to connect. And so, you know, making that and allowing that, making space for that, because I could say, well, I've, I'm pretty busy. I got a lot going on. No, I want her to have the message that she's more important than this other stuff that I have going on, these other responsibilities, other things that happen. I want her to know that, that she is that important. So um, how this works is working on connection, maintaining that heart connection, when Caleb was probably elementary school age, he, um, was, he had a, a time he was supposed to come home. He went down to his buddy down the street. He went to his house. And um, he was supposed to come home, let's say, I don't remember the time, but let's say 3 o'clock. And he's late. He's like a half an hour late, like way late. And we're kind of getting a little concerned. We know he's just down the street with his buddy, and he's probably just playing. But... Um, when he finally came home, he came in. I, I looked at him and said, Caleb, you were late. Like, we had, you're supposed to be home at 3, and it's 3.30 now. Did you know that? And he's looking at me. He's like, no, I didn't know. Now, he's going to find out right here whether I want connection or whether I want safe distance. Okay? So I had to choose my words very carefully. I said, Caleb, do you know how it feels, what I feel like 
when I asked you to be home at a certain time and, and you're just hanging out with your friends not even thinking about it? You said, no. I said, well, do you want to know? Yeah. I said, it feels to me like what you want to do for fun is more important than how I feel, than making, protecting my heart how I feel. And he, because we had connection, he just started crying. Like he just started crying tears. Now I was not trying to make him cry, but he could feel that heart squeeze. He could feel, oh my gosh, what I did affected my dad. I said, I just wanted to let you know that. Um, you know, I think you understand that now. I didn't have to figure out a, a punishment or consequence. He had a consequence, that was it. He recognized the heart connection. He recognized that my heart was hurt and he never did it again. I didn't have to scare him. I had a connection with him and I was able to communicate how that affected me. And when he started thinking, wow, my choices affect people that I care about, he adjusted. He could do that. He was ready to, to make that change. Another one, um, this was just a couple of months ago. Grace um, is our social one. She loves to hang out. She's 14, going on 30, just loves to, to has all kinds of friends. And so one day she asked Angie and me if she can go over to this friend's house that we're not sure about this friend. Um, you know, her parents are, they're decent people, but they're kind of more into the party scene. Um, you know, they're not out breaking the law or anything. It's just not necessarily the atmosphere that we're comfortable with. And she's like, oh, but, you know, Dad, I'll, I'll, I'll be careful. And I said, I'm not worried about you as much as I'm worried about what you might get exposed to over there. And she's like, you know, I need to know that you're going to, you'd protect my heart, that you would make sure that if anything's wrong, that you, you'd call right away. She's like, you know, Dad, I will. I will protect your heart. It will be okay. And so I'm like, she's saying all the right things. She's doing all the right things. I want to give her a chance to trust. And it was so scary. And so Angie and I said, okay, we're going to let you do it. If you have any issues, you call us. So I took her there. I dropped her off at the house. And I drive back home. And as soon as I get home, I get a text and it says, Dad, I'm uncomfortable. Can you come get me? I'm like, yep, on my way. Turned right back around, came back. <laughs> and um, she got in and she said, Dad, they were, just, they were just watching a movie that I wasn't comfortable with. It was just a little bit scary. It wasn't, you know, anything really horrible. But it was just, I just realized when my other friends who kind of are a little bit more my mindset when they're not there, they kind of just do stuff that I wouldn't want to do. Now, she came to that conclusion because I gave her the freedom to come to that conclusion. If I had just said, you can't go, she never would have figured that out for herself. But it was so scary. Like, it was so scary. We, we had to, like, we were really like, is this a good idea? I don't know. And it could have blown up in our face. It honestly could have. But we, we took the chance because we wanted to, she was, she was giving us the right communication. She was trying to, you know, connect to our hearts. I was making sure she knew that this was, this was hard for me, that this was scary for me. And she was very honoring in that, you know, when she, she came back to me. So that when she did it, she was keeping that in mind. She was feeling the weight of responsibility going into this. And so then when anything was a little bit wrong, she was like, okay, I need to do something about it and take care of it. And, and she was ready for it. And so it was what could have been just a thing where I just said, no, you're not allowed to do that, and it would have just been this temptation out there. I let her do it with heart connection, 
and it was a big success for us because she's never asked to go back there again. It's not been, it has not been an issue because she learned something that day. I never want to tell my kids something. I want to tell them that something bad is going to happen if, it doesn't, if it's not going to happen, okay? So if I'm warning them about something, say, oh, you know, you'll catch a cold, and they don't catch a cold, what are they going to think about what I tell them, right? I'm going to say something like, I'm worried that you might catch a cold. I'm concerned because that's I can that is true, okay. Or have you thought about this? Um, one other um, one other clip I want to show you here. This is um, this is Brittany Serple. She is Danny Silk's daughter. So if you can imagine what it was like growing up in Danny Silk's home, this is what it was like. And just to show you, not you know every kid has some issue. I want to share this story. Yeah, so um, the story is I'm 16 years old, and of course I know everything because I'm 16. And um, I, we had just moved from Weaverville, and so I think I was just struggling a lot with loneliness. And basically I found myself in an internet chat room, and a boy basically was returning some affection in a form I hadn't had before. I never had a boyfriend before. And so here I am chatting away with this boy that it turned into phone calls late at night. Um, then it turned into let's meet. And the week before we met, we were down in LA as a family and I told my cousin that I met this boy and I'm gonna go meet him. And so he was the only person that knew what was gonna happen that day. So this happened, I think it was the week of my mother's birthday. Happy birthday, yeah, horrible timing. Um, so basically, I go and I meet this boy, but I tell my mom that I'm going to um, a costume party at another friend's house. So I have a reason to be gone all day. So I'm on this date, and how, for one, I didn't get spotted in Reading. I mean, Reading's not that big. Can't go to the grocery store without seeing somebody, so I don't know how I didn't get spotted. I was gone for eight hours. Um, with no contact with my parents. And so basically, at the end of this eight hours, um, my mom at some point is trying to get a hold of me. She can't get a hold of me. She can't find me. She doesn't know what's going on. So she calls this friend's house where I'm supposed to be. And they said, you know, funny thing is, Brittany never showed up today. Which, what does that do to any parent? Your heart sinks into the pit of your stomach. And every bad thought that you can have has happened, right? So pretty much my mom had me cut up into a million pieces and in the Sacramento River at this point, which you should think that because, I mean, she was just scared out of her mind. Um, and through this process of trying to figure out where I am, she remembers that my cousin knew where I was or we had spent a lot of time together. So she probably politely threatened his life and asked for information. And he fessed up to where I was and what I was doing, and I was meeting this boy that I met off the internet. And all she knew was it was at some park. And so my mom was unable to reach my dad at that time because he was up in Weaverville teaching a class, and there was no cell phone reception. So she's had a good, quite a few hours to just be spinning on, I don't know where my daughter is, I don't know what's happening to my daughter, I don't even know if she's alive. And I, on the other hand, am just full of myself and having a good old time. So 
Kathy, because we just moved here literally within like two months. And she tells them, you know, I don't know what she is. This is the license plate number. I don't know what to do. I, I, I just, I, I'm at a loss. And so Chris and Kathy, they pray, and um, the Lord showed them exactly where I was, and they went right to me. <laughs> I mean, how many parks does Reading have? Even if we're only here for school ministry, I mean, there are a lot of parks. And they drove right to me. Um, and when they found me, here I am. It's dark now. It's probably, I think I probably left early afternoon, evening to early morning. And it's almost 9 o'clock at night. And I'm kissing some boy I just met. Um, and that's how Chris finds me and Kathy. Yeah, tough boy to leave, Christian. <laughs> Very nice. Very answer. nice answer, yeah. And um, so then Chris and Kathy, they take me back home. And I remember the whole moment, I'm just gearing up for a fight. Because, you know, I'm 16, I know everything. And I'm just ready to be punished. I'm just ready to be called out on, you know, I want freedom. And you're going to just try to take it away from me. So I'm gearing up for a fight inside, basically. So I remember coming inside. I remember I called my dad before we left the park, and through tears, he tells me, I was just describing to the police what you looked like. And in that moment, I, I, there was some, some pain of, oh gosh, what did I do? But I couldn't go there because, again, I'm 16 and I know it all, so I'm going to be mad instead. So when we get to the house, Chris and Kathy are talking to my parents, and I'm in the living room. Basically, everything I'm doing, waiting for my punishment to come, is got my boxing gloves on and I'm ready to go. Um, they come in and, you know, my mom and I are similar, and I know this now more than having my own kids, but scared to us sometimes looks like anger. Which <laughs> <laughs> happens. It has. <laughs> so, you know. That's what I saw from her, is just anger. And my dad uh, definitely presented, you know, kind of a calm, whatever, probably in shock, I'm sure. But So here I am, my mom's mad, we're just going to butt heads in a minute, and my dad just takes over. They're asking me questions, like, what were you doing? What were you thinking? What's going on? Why would you do this? And I just spit into, you know, you have no idea the pressure I have being your kid. I come down here, I'm Danny Shield's kid. Everybody knows everything about me. I've been a PK all my life, and everybody knows everything about me. I'm constantly being compared to my friends. Their parents are saying, why don't you be more like Brittany? Brittany never gets in trouble for this. That's the pressure I live with being your kid, and I hate it. This is what I tell my parents. I said, you know what? I don't even know if I want to be a Christian anymore. And in that moment, the, one, the clearest thing that I have that I remember is I walk into, you know, ready to fight. I state basically what I'm here to claim is that I'm all done being a Christian. And the response that I get from my dad is him crawling across the floor, putting his face and his hands on my knees and saying, Brit, I'll give it up today. I'll quit my job being a pastor. I will go back to being a social worker. Because my goal at the end of this is that you and your mom and your brothers are all on the other side. 
That's all that I care about. If it's too much pressure for you, for me being a pastor, I will stop today. What he's willing to sacrifice for me was what I remember. What is he willing to give up? And I'm still in this place of I'm I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to show him that that's going to affect my heart. But the truth is, it really did. So even in this state of being mad and frustrated, I come, don't quit your job. You know, I'm pregnant, so I'm crying tonight. (laughs) (laughs) What's that mean? Not going to. So I tell him, don't quit your job. It's whatever, you know. And I just put on this front of whatever, basically. Lived in this place of whatever. And I remember um, going to my room. The next day was church. Of course it was. Praise Jesus, right? So they go to church. I'm at home. I'm watching a movie, some chick flick. And I remember halfway through it, my dad comes home. And my first thought is, oh, he's going to come to check on me, make sure I didn't run away, basically. And I said, what are you doing home? And he said, I just couldn't be away from you anymore today. And he, he just wanted to be close to me. He's trying to communicate in every way he can to draw me closer than keeping that distance. So basically, one of the crazy things, this is where I, most parents lift their eyebrows in pure shock, is my parents let me date this boy. Right there, they did. <laughs> And yeah, I did. I, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and dating this boy was like dating him in my house. Let me just tell you. I mean, that was the extent of us dating. But still, I was given the freedom to date this boy. And um, which just, it was just all part of this process of them sharing control and, and hearing my needs and just trying to figure out how do we stay connected through this. And, I've heard my mom describe it as they were afraid that I was going to want this boy like you want candy. You know, if you take it away, I'm just going to want it more. So here, you know, and this is your, our boundaries. This is what we can handle. You can have it right here, you know. And so that's what it looked like. So I dated this boy for four months. And the good part of the story, which I'm going to wrap up. You won't hear all of the good part of the story. But basically, um, I had Ben, that guy that you see up there. He's my husband. He's not the guy I met on the internet. <laughs> so basically, um, I had an encounter with the Lord um, when Ben came to town the same time I was dating this boy. And the Lord just uh, broke into my heart and just um, reminded me of who I was. Because you know, when you're blinded by whether it's fear or loneliness or pressure that you even put on yourself, you lose who you are. So that's basically what happened to me in that moment. So... The point is, we've got to have heart connection before we're even trying to get a hold or control of anything else. If you catch yourself disconnecting, clean up your mess just like you would ask your kids to do. You're going to disconnect sometimes. You're going to go. You're going to get angry. You're going to do things, but just clean it up just like you'd ask your kids to do. Sometimes you might even say, you know. I'm just, I'm trying to be a good parent, and sometimes I mess up. And usually they'll be like, oh, you're not that bad, really. You're, you're not that bad. But just be open and honest. You know, I made a mistake. If they can see you clean up your messes, they're more likely to clean up their own messes. Um, make a plan to change and give yourself grace. Like, you don't have to be a perfect parent. Just give, give them what you can. 
Connection happens through successful transfers of I love you very much. And uh, the most important parenting skill, I'm committed to protecting my connection with you. If you get nothing else, get that. Because if you can get connection, the other th you can do a lot of other things wrong. But if you have connection, it is going to work out. So I know um, we need to finish things up. Um, there are a couple things I wanted to do uh, for homework. On the back table, I've got love language um, surveys, so you can get them for yourself and your kids. There are couples. You don't need to pass them out. They can just get them. They're, they're for uh, children, teens, uh, singles, and couples. So get, get those and take those with you. Do the survey and see what you find out. And then find ways to move towards your kids when they make a mistake. Let me pray for you guys, and then I, I need to let you go get your kids. Lord, um, we just thank you that you created us for connection. I pray that tonight you would just plant seeds of connection in families and parents and children, that you would bless them to connect deeply in Jesus' name. Amen.